Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the show. Have an interesting and great show planned. I like to think that every night. But this one, you know, y'all ever been reading an article or looking at a post and click, click, click? Google, 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 and then here you are miles away from the original topic because you fell into a black hole. Uh, Reddit itself is, I, I, I'm not someone who utilizes Reddit often because uh, you never know what you're stumbling upon. This is user-based content. It doesn't mean it's correct. And we still do live in a time where people will think if it's on the internet, it must be true. Or if someone posts about it on TikTok, it must be true. Often far from the case, but let's not get into that point being New York times had released an article and uh, <laughs> it was, here's the title. Are we still monogamous? And it was basically about this idea. And we, we did a whole show on monogamy, non-monogamy, toxic monogamy. It's really important stuff and ever evolving as culture evolves, just like gender and sexual orientation, where I think back to when I was a child and the only representation we had of same sexed couples was Will and Grace. And even that was very stereotypical and very much a caricature at times and not a lot of people's true experience, but what a beautiful thing to have that was representative and helped people get more familiar with. And I remember my, my mom watching that show and it just being very normalizing and it, it was able to start some conversations now. I look at television and I'm thinking, whoa, what a beautiful thing that these younger generations have access to and how healing that would have been for me in my younger years and a lot of people that I know and I care about where TV shows all have non-binary characters and bisexual characters and different races and body shapes and sizes and different abilities and disabilities and it's, it's quite stunning. So. That's what we're kind of talking about. So monogamy is no different. And that's why you're hearing me and a lot of others discuss it. And as I talk to other friends that are therapists, it's a lot of us are talking about how more and more people are coming in wanting to talk about open styles, monogamish, polyamory. It's in the news. Tons of books are written about it. A lot of people think that it's something that doesn't work. It does, you know, tons of communities. And the people that are asking most about it are women, which is what's profound for me because a lot of people want to think, oh, that's something a man would want. A man would, nope. It's women. More women are wanting that. But again, that's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is the fact that monogamy is something you're going to hear more and more about. And this article was just really beautifully pointing out. I, one of the issues I'm always talking about is how people need to define what that word means to them. And a lot of people will just assume they're monogamous, which is a horrible assumption, because if you're assuming it, your partner, if they're not 
holding themselves to that, then they're not doing anything wrong. And I would say, make sure you're talking about what you define monogamy to be. Otherwise, you're both operating from your own definitions and you're both correct. Your, your partner's not wrong if they're not doing it your way, if you haven't all sat down and discussed what that means. But again, more importantly, the article is pointing out, it is a conversation that needs to be ongoing and updated because times change and technology changes. Again, if you're in a healthy relationship, if you're in an unhealthy relationship, you are a different scenario from what I'm talking about tonight. Tonight, I'm talking about healthy partners where you trust them, they trust you. Um, things evolve and change. There were partners that got together, became monogamous prior to phone use and technology. And now they do need to talk about, are you okay flirting in the DMs? And some people are like, oh no, my partner knows better. They don't have to know better. If that's acceptable to them, then that's what they should be doing. And if you both haven't sat down and talked about it, then no one's doing anything wrong. It, it, you can't assume that your definition of someone else's. But more importantly, why are you afraid of having this conversation? That's what's important to me as a psychologist. Why are you afraid of having that conversation? Hey, honey, I was listening to Loveline. Hey, honey, I saw this New York Times article. And it talked about the fact that there's now new forms of eroticism that exist in the world, often very, technologi uh, often very technologically driven. Um, we should probably talk more about how monogamy should now exist in our relationship and how has it been going? I say this to all my couples that I work with clinically in my practice. Make sure you're sitting down every couple months and saying, how is this relationship or marriage going? What do we need to change? What do you need from me? It's very self-centering. What do you need from me? How can I be a better partner, husband, or wife? Please, every couple months, at least once a year, talk about that. But monogamy should be a direct conversation as well. And it's not an attack. I don't want monogamy, I'm sorry, I don't want cheating to be the worst, most disastrous thing that's ever happened to you. I want it to be something that we acknowledge occurs in the world. We don't want it. It is not a kind thing to do. There are other ways to manage that. I'm not, I'm not making it okay. But I want us to calmly sit down and say, hey, how's monogamy been feeling? What do we need to work on? Are there new things we need to talk about? Have things changed? I've heard of this thing called sexting. Is that something we're okay with? Have you done that? We, want, we need to be able to have adult conversations where we're on the same team. And so that's what this article is about. It was talking about some questions you, you want to ask your partner. And my first thought was not every relationship is healthy enough to have these conversations. Some people have emotionally abusive partners that name call and put them down. Some people unfortunately are in physically abusive relationships where they wouldn't feel physically safe bringing these topics up. That's a red flag. That's actually maybe a deal breaker. If you're in a relationship where you're worried about certain conversations because of how your partner's gonna respond, you're in an abusive relationship, period. And this conversation is what brings that forward. All right, stick around. We're gonna talk more about this. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Got a whole lot more to come, so don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did-we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all right y'all we're back and talking about monogamy but in a different entry point from the ways i've talked about it prior because this is born out of an article that kind of went viral Uh, it's an important one because it brings up important things and themes and it's basically this concept that you need to every few years check in with your partner about how monogamy is going what needs to be changed are we still on the same page do we still want to do it and i know that's horrifying to people and they're like i'd rather just not even approach that i'd rather just not know okay good luck with that and some questions that maybe you want to potentially ask but my thought is always is the relationship healthy enough to tolerate this discussion Not all couples are able to manage conflict very well. So very punchy, triggering, uncomfortable conversations for some couples are dangerous. So if you're in a relationship with someone that is emotionally abusive, where when they're frustrated, disappointed, or upset, they name call, put down, shut you out, shut down, ice you, you guys have work to do. And this is not a topic for you. Many topics are, and you're not really in a relationship. You're in an abusive one and you should probably exit. And my God, if you're in something physically that gets physical and they're upset at you, please leave immediately. Please find resources. Please talk to your support networks and get out. And if you're the abuser, go heal. If when you're upset, you name call, put down, ice out, hit, throw, slam, scream, ignore your partner, you you have a lot of work to do. You're, you're being abusive. But for those couples that are healthy, which believe it or not do exist, where they trust each other and they manage conflict well, this is a topic I want you to sit down and talk about. And if you can't talk about this, you need to think, oh God, something's wrong with our relationship. But for those that can, this article was bringing up a few questions you might wanna unpack and talk about. Now, we'll, we'll get into the questions. What was more meaningful to me is just, are you the kind of couple that can have these kinds of conversations? And what does it mean if you're not? and a reminder to do so. So that's really what was most important to me because topics like this are things we have to be able to encounter. So again, monogamy is something you can't assume. Monogamy is something you both have to talk about what it means and how you're defining it. And you need to, at certain points, revisit it. So it then kind of stepped outside of that. And what I liked is it was trying to get broad and it was really trying to look at what kind of couple are we? Where's our work? 
So one of them was how many minutes did we spend actually doing something fun or pleasurable together over the past week? That for some couples is like a hand grenade question. Whoa. Yeah. Yikes. We got some work to do. So let me pose that again. Ask yourself this. If you're in a relationship, how many minutes? And I like that we're breaking it down to minutes because hours is too big, too big. The bar is too high. Can't even think about hours. We're just going for minutes. Really even hear that. Like, I like the messaging that's embedded in the assumptions within these questions. That it's not how many hours did we spend doing something fun or pleasurable? It's just minutes, just minutes. And again, remember, I talk about date nights, mini dates and micro dates. Every relationship, because I'm always trying to drop different gems as we talk about these topics, every relationship should have planned date nights where we know there's at least a day or a night reserved exclusively for our relationship. But then mini dates are maybe at the end of the night or in the afternoon, you steal an hour and you sit down, have a glass of wine, go for a walk, have lunch together. And then micro dates are those cute little moments that you steal like, you know, in the middle of the aisle at the supermarket and you just kind of grab your partner, kiss them and say, I love you. You look great today. Uh, be doing all those. But... <clears throat> Ask yourself this, truly, honestly, answer this in your head or shout it out loud. How many minutes did you spend doing something fun or pleasurable together this week? Man, my heart hurts if the answer is none. My heart hurts if the answer is 30. It's over the course of a week. We will work anywhere from 30 to 60 or more hours. Our lives shouldn't be centered in labor for other people's profit. Our lives should put time and energy and focus into our relationships and the people that are important to us. And that's what this question is really unearthing. Where are your priorities? And if they're not on pleasure, leisure, fun relationship, you need to rebalance and calibrate that. I work with tons of couples that give their relationships and their social lives leftover energy, dirty energy. All their energy goes to labor all day long, all week long. Housework, their jobs, sometimes school. Give 70% max. I say that on many shows. Giving 100% doesn't leave time and energy for the truly important things, the relationships and meaningful people in your life and what gives you purpose and meaning and pleasure. And so if you say, wow, we've only had a few, well, if you say we had no minutes of fun, you might need couples therapy, at least individual work. Or you just need to really have a come to Jesus talk with yourself and each other and reprioritize where your time's going. But if you don't want to even spend time together with your partner, that's another indicator that you're in the wrong relationship or there's work to be done. Because ideally, the answer is many minutes, too many to count, too many to count because we're often doing pleasurable, fun things together. And please know, I don't mean we're going to the circus. I don't mean we're getting dressed up and going out to dinner and a show. I just mean in your sweats, are you able to like laugh, play games, tell stories, be cute? Like it, it doesn't, it doesn't, there's no context. And that's, what's great about it. It's kind of like I say all the time about dates, please let's stop. Let's get out of our ego. Let's get out of our materialism. Uh, let's get out of our superficiality and not get hung up on what they wore on the date, where they took us, how much money they spent. We're, we're growing up beyond these childish definitions of our worth being tied to money. And I'm always saying the date is about Anything you do that allows you to spend time together, it shouldn't matter. Go to 7-Eleven for your date because it's about our time together. In fact, I almost want to take my dates to 7-Eleven to make sure that they understand what relationships really about. Time together. doesn't Your worth and, and my expression of how I feel about you isn't tied to where I'm taking you. In fact, the things I enjoy most are cheap and free. Like going to see art, it's free. That's what means the most to me. <clears throat> Back to my point. You can steal pleasure and joy 
just on a car ride, running errands. But again, how many minutes did you spend actually doing something fun and pleasurable together? It should be too many to count. So let this be a wake-up call that there is work to do, a recalibration. We're going to talk about the other questions from this New York Times article about are we still monogamous because I think it's a powerful transformative question that has so much tied to it. It's a constellation because again, it's reminding us that we need to constantly be checking in on the quality of our connection and relationship. It reminds us that we need to be having difficult conversations. And it also importantly reminds us that this word ebbs and flows throughout the duration of our lives. It can help us decide we want more sex, sex, less sex, different kinds of sex. It doesn't have anything necessarily to do with others. All right, we're going to stick around. We're going to come back and talk more about this. You're listening to Loveline. Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. Oh, Rachel, we're back. And talking about this article in the New York Times led me into a, um, down many, many, many rabbit holes. And it was basically six, six questions to ask your partner centered around the idea of like, where, what's the state of our relationship? Where do we want it to be? That was the main purpose. This, this topic's an entry point. So first one was, how many minutes did you all as a couple spend over the week doing something fun or pleasurable? And I was saying that it's distressing to me that we just posed as minutes because to even say hours might be beyond the scope of what many people can even relate to. And that hurts my heart. We're doing life wrong. Um, and then it kind of brings us to like a deeper question. And, and that's why I love these things. Look, <laughs> am I an overthinker? Sure am. Do I overanalyze? You betcha. Do I try to drop into the deeper parts of stuff? Sure do. And does it annoy people? Absolutely. And a hundred percent, you you know, I swear I'm fun. I'm silly, but, um, when I'm watching a movie, I'm, 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 I'm pulling out these like deeper, more subtle threads. And I'm like, ah, did you hear what that was? That was a statement about this. And my date's like, uh, bro, this is just like a lighthearted comedy. It's not a statement about, you know, colonialism and you know, whatever. <clears throat> so the deeper threads are this, what do we like to do to have fun? Start there for a second. When the question is, how much time have you spent having fun? The deeper question is, do we even know how to have fun? Is fun accessible for us? I, have, I was asked to DM on an earlier show. A lot of our questions seem very similar, and that's beautiful. A lot of people are, are struggling with the same issues over and over, and it reinforces. That's why I love repetition. I'm a big fan of repetition. You don't hear something once and necessarily internalize and encode it. We need to hear things repeatedly. That's why I love the idea of doing this radio show, and it's also podcasted over at wearechannelq.com. It's right there because we need to have things built in. We live in a world that gives us the worst messaging. So we need to bathe our psyches and our neurology in the right kind of spaces that remind us who we want to be and how we want to think. So <clears throat> my whole point is when the question comes up, like how much time do we spend having fun? The deeper question is, what do we like to do together for fun? And then the deeper question is, do we even still enjoy each other? And the DM that came in was basically a couple saying, we enjoy each other. I don't know that we have the deepest connection, they said. And you know, essentially they're saying it feels a little stale. Maybe we're not mirroring back the most important parts of ourselves. I get it. We enter relationships maybe when we're younger, maybe when we're older, prioritizing one thing to the detriment of really focusing on whether something else is present or not or compatible. Okay, people in relationships have plasticity. And my answer is first and foremost, don't panic if you don't know what you like to do for fun as a couple. Don't panic if you're feeling a little bored or stale with each other as a couple. And don't panic if you haven't had many minutes of fun over the week. Let's turn that panic and, and, and remove uh, shame and turn it into a challenge. Or now it's a goal. We now realize 
this question has helped us understand that there's some work to do. And my first statement is always go do something new and novel. I apply that for sex as well. Here's why we tend to do what is most familiar and comfortable. We fall into patterns and habits of that. And then we only see certain parts of each other based on the context within where we that based within the context where we see and, and, and experience each other. When you change the context or the environment, I'm using those words um, interchangeably, when you change the environment in which we are together as people, you will see different parts of yourself emerge. I am different if you see me with my friends out on a Friday night than you see me in my clinical office, and that would be different than when you see me with my mom. I'm all those people, but when you change the context or the stimulus or the environment, I change because we are always part of different systems. The person you're with, you're playing off of. That's why you're a different sex partner with every partner. You are co-creating things in the moment. Even with the same person, those moments change. I'm a different sex partner, even with the same people I'm having sex with each time I have sex with them based on who I am now, based on what I want today, based on how I feel. Point being, change the environment that you see each other in. When you live with someone and you see them all the time and they're there all day long, that shuts down this experience piece. So I always say, go do new and novel things, but I mean vastly new and novel. There will always be something more dynamic and exciting about something we're not familiar with, and it brings out different parts of ourselves. When I was answering that DM, I gave the example of how me and an ex of mine started taking art classes, a form of art that neither one of us were familiar with at all, and it was really beautiful, and we bonded powerfully over it because we were encountering new parts of ourselves and new, new parts of each other. Uh, my partner was seeing what I'm like in a classroom environment. My partner was seeing what I'm like when I'm around quote-unquote authority because there's you know a teacher of sorts. My partner was seeing what I'm like engaging in other students and, and, and trying to do the homework because the art class had you know forms of homework and, and vice versa. And it was really sweet and adorable and funny and cute. You need to pull yourselves out of this context. We all need to do that on our own individual lives, but also as couples. So if you're basically saying we don't have fun, we're bored of each other, it's because you're doing boring things. Go do different things. And it doesn't have to be things that even include money, but make it a very foreign, unknown experience that you both go have together. We're also trying to apply that to sex. So that covers that. <clears throat> um, all right, I don't want to get into the other ones right now. We're going to come back and do a DM. How about that? If you got a question for us, put those questions in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Questions, topics, things you want to hit, circle back, drop deeper into DMs, Loveline IG page. Past episodes of the show, as I said, over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline, and click on it. Otherwise, we'll be right back. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around. All right, y'all, we are back, and now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. All right, this one says, hi, Dr. Chris. I'm wondering, oh, we did that one already. Hey, Dr. Chris, I have a question regarding motherhood. Although any and all advice you have surrounding motherhood, I'd greatly appreciate. My question is, how can I, as a new mother with little to no self-time, create joy in my life and still find my own hobbies and passion to create fulfillment? I feel like I'm slowly losing myself in my happiness, but I don't have family in town to babysit my baby, and my partner's gone most of the time working. Thanks for your time. I'm a new listener, and I absolutely love your podcast. Oh, thank you. That means a lot. And 
you're in a precarious situation and unfortunately there isn't always an answer based on the current structure let me uh, diverge and give you an example i've worked with some couples that come into my clinical practice and they'll say something like one of them might say i commute an hour to a different city and then i work eight or nine hours and then i commute another hour back and i do this six days a week how can my you know marriage still be strong and feel important it can't I've had to say to people, you cannot have both the job with that commute and those hours and also a happy family because I can't magically make your family happy with your absence and I can't magically make you present while absent. So sometimes the structure doesn't allow for what we want. You don't have anyone to babysit in town. Your partner works a lot. So the question is within that current structure, assuming it cannot be changed at all, how do I find purpose and meaning? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what purpose and meaning would, would mean for you. So I don't know how accessible that is within the context of being at home with a child, but I want to believe it's very accessible. We have FaceTime and telephone to connect and reach out to others. We have Skype. There's a lot of groups and meetings that take place online and over Skype that are related around topics. I know during COVID, my mom was doing tours of museums online. She was joining online book clubs and author lectures. And so there's things like that. So I really think what you need to do is Google based on what it is you find value in and see if there's a Skype Zoom version, if there's an online version. For me, I find a lot of worth and value and my hobbies are watching films and reading. Maybe you can take up an art practice at home. Maybe you could get into different recipes and cooking at home. You can exercise at home. You can maybe take your baby with you to see art. You can take your baby with you to hang out in a park and read. You can take your baby with you while you maybe go take a class. There's a lot of mommy and me classes where you're doing yoga together or they're playing while you're doing something else. So without really understanding what might provide joy and pleasure and meaning to you, it's hard for me to really give you something specific. But again, I look for things that exist online that you can do at home. A lot of us are working from home and, and, and in fact engage in that. You can do therapy from home. But then there's also mommy and me stuff where you take your child with you or again, things out in the world where naturally a child is easily you know, able to be brought in. Um, so you're gonna have to do a little Googling and a little legwork, you know, but, uh, my general thoughts on motherhood, just be available to your child, be approachable so they can access you, help support the authenticity and truth of who they're meant to be and who they're becoming, not what you want for them. Um, but you're doing your best. I, I wish your partner could be a part of this. I don't know why that's not possible. Maybe your partner can work from home one day a week. Maybe your partner can come home early one day a week and give you that time to go out. Maybe you take the weekends or a weekend day and your partner then babysits on Saturday or Sunday while they're home and you have the morning or the afternoon and that is your time and that is your personal private time. And that's, and then during the week you're just full-time parent and then you're doing your you know purpose and meaning on the weekends. But again, maybe you go back to class online while at home with the child. Maybe you go to class and take the child with you. Find art classes. That's the beautiful thing again. COVID has put so many things online. And so maybe do a little Googling and research. I think you might find everything you're looking for somehow accessible in that way. I don't know what we ever did without, you know, prior to technology. I really don't. I think dating, education, socialization was a dark, dark, lonely time pre-technology. I would have had very few solutions. So God bless those that were doing this work back in those days. But um, yeah, circle back and let me know how that goes. And if anyone has any advice, feel free to drop that in the DMs and we can kind of pass that along. It's an interesting one. 
you know? Uh, for those that have a DM for us, though, a question, always anonymous, always confidential, put that DM in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Anything you're wondering about, someone else might be as well, so you're helping them as you help yourself. And as I keep saying, past episodes, always over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down there for Loveline and click on it. You can binge post, re-listen and share. So uh, head on over there. Lots of good stuff. You can take me out into the world on the journey with you. But um, otherwise, y'all, don't go anywhere because we got so much more to come. So uh, yeah, stick around. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. All right, y'all, we're back and we're really kind of using this New York Times article about uh, are we still monogamous and other questions you need to ask your partner article. Its intent I found to be profound because it was both saying, hey, have you talked about what monogamy means? It was then saying, hey, have you updated and checked in on that? Because technology is different and your lives are different and you're different and what you want might be different. And there's a loving space to say, how, how hard has this been for us? Do we want to make any shifts around that? But then it was even saying within these questions that there's a lot of learning about the two of you and where your work is as a couple. So I, I loved that. Why can we talk about this? Why can we not? Why are we afraid? How safe is my relationship? And we were really spending a lot of time looking at the one that said, how many minutes? In the past week, did you and your partner spend doing something fun or pleasurable? Do you have fun anymore? Why is it only minutes? Why is it not hours? What would you even do? Do you even want to spend time with your partner? Like all of that is embedded in there. Those are really important questions. Um, so what do we like to do for fun? I was talking about changing the environment, the context within which you spend time and see each other. That changes who we are. We get to see different parts of ourselves. That's why I always take people I'm dating into new, different environments to just really see who we are when we're stressed, when there's conflict, when there's complication, when we're silly. So let's look at some of the other ones. These, some of them make me laugh. Um, so some of these are direct quotes and others are just kind of my own summaries. Um, another one is name one thing that you appreciate about your sex life. Again, it's not just about getting an answer out there. Well, I appreciate this. It's also, do you appreciate anything? How vulnerable are you willing and able to be? It brings up maybe the quality of it of it in general. Like there's so much in that. So it's not just like, hey, babe, I, you know, I was listening to Love Line and we're supposed to check in on our monogamy. Like what's the name something you like about us sexually? It's like, no, how hard was that conversation? How many things could you come up with? Um, did it remind you of things you wish were happening? I, I love, I love all of these things. So that's one of the questions. Um, one thing we like about our sex life, again, to get that conversation, to familiarize that conversation, to get us more comfortable talking about sex, to remind us that we have to talk about sex. Here's another one. Um, identify what micro moments came through for each other. Micro moments being in their, in their response, more about tough times. Um, how have we helped each other through tough times? Again, it's to see if you can even point out examples of helping each other through tough times. It's helping us understand if we even share vulnerably that we're having tough times. It helps us assess, do I even want to help my partner through a tough time? And if I don't, where is that resentment and contempt coming from? Is it time to end the relationship? Is it time to do work on it? I want all these questions not just to be about the answer, but the quality of the answer, how difficult it was to come up with an answer, what it felt to be asked this question, what it told you about the relationship itself, what it tells you about your partner. Like these are big questions questions. Choosing a primary partner is a massive undertaking. Please take that very seriously. And these questions shouldn't make us panic, but they should help direct us towards where change is necessary, maybe some more discussion. 
So I love that. How have we helped each other through tough times? That might elicit a conversation where you wish your partner was a little better or more there for you during tough times, if even at all. Maybe saying to them, this is what I'd love in the future. This is where I felt a little disappointed. Here's what we could do instead. Notice my tone and my word choice. We're not attacking. We're not picking a fight. We're not name calling. We're not criticizing. We're saying, yeah, I think in the future, more support would be really important or meaningful to me. In the future, this is how I would love for you to maybe help me. In the future, how can I be better for you? In the future, where do, what do you need from me? I always want us to ask self-centering questions. Where can I be better? What do you need from me? What do you wish I had or could do differently? But I love that. How are we as a couple through difficult times? That matters more. So just sit with that generalized topic, whether or not you're even willing to have that conversation. If you're turning off the radio right now, you're like, I can never talk to my partner about that. That's a red flag. Ask yourself how you feel about the fact that that's the case. Healthy couples have the ability to talk about these things, set these questions as topics that you make a goal to be able to very casually have. That's why I love this stuff. It's always not just the answer. It's our experience of the question, what it tells us about ourselves and the quality of our relationship. Let it be diagnostic. These are like roar shocks. So these micro moments, what do we like during difficult times? Love that, love that, love that. I talk so much about that. Then the other one, are we still on the same page about monogamy? Hear the qualifying terms still. Have our thoughts about it changed? That's a scary concept for some people to step into because maybe your partner or your definition has evolved. Hey, hon, I want to be able to flirt differently. I want to be able to sext. I want to be able to, I, I don't know. This is your question, but have your thoughts about monogamy changed? Maybe you just bond over how hard it's been. Maybe you bond over how easy it's been, but it shouldn't be a challenging, threatening question. And these are only for questions. These questions are only to be asked in safe, trusting relationships. If your relationship has emotional or physical abuse, your relationship is not safe enough for this and that's where the work should go if your partner when they're upset or you as a partner when you're upset name call put down ice them out threaten to break up you're not healthy enough or mature enough to have these conversations so this isn't for you but i want your i want that awareness to sit heavy though and for you to say we should be able to have these conversations lovingly it shouldn't be threatening to say how's monogamy been going for us it shouldn't be threatening to say has it been hard for you do changes need to be made it shouldn't be threatening to talk about the quality or absence of sex and if it is you have to start at just reorienting this entire relationship and its sense of safety and trust um, all right, we're going to come back and talk more about that. Uh, past episodes over at We Are Channel Q, question to wearechannelq.com. Questions in our DMs on our Loveline IG. Otherwise, stick around, y'all. We'll be back. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. All right, y'all, we're back and really diving in deep because this New York Times article, which I thought was great, it was, are we still monogamous? Some questions you should ask your partner. It was basically just pointing out that this is an ongoing conversation that needs ongoing discussion and assessment. But bigger, it helps you understand the quality of your relationship and what work you each might need to do on your own as a couple. We are looking at how much time have you spent doing something fun over the past week? Ew. Uh, minutes, hours. Can we that make that a challenge to do more, do better, or are we nail on that? Also, um, what's the things that we like most about our sex life, if anything at all? But this brings up conversations of what we want more of, what we miss, the work that maybe needs to be done. So let some of these questions just be challenging motivators. Also, how are we through difficult times? See, it's not just about, are you having sex with other people? It's, it means far more than that. Don't think, oh, well, we're monogamous, we're not having sex with others, all's well. Dear God in heaven, want more. And that's why it's like, what do we like during difficult times? That matters a lot. And then do we need to update our monogamy agreement by discussing the details of what we think we want and don't want? 
Maybe you want to renegotiate that. I'm no longer comfortable doing this. I want to be able to do that. I, I said this at one point, my feelings have changed. Remember, at any point in your life, you're allowed to, you're allowed to change any agreement you've made. We, slavery is illegal. You're allowed to say, I know I committed that at that point, but my feelings have changed on that. We need to talk about it. You're always allowed to do that. It's never, you knew who I was when we met. Yes, and I'm expecting you to grow and change. Or that's not what you said back then. Yes, I've grown and changed. We are allowed to grow and change and we're allowed to be expected to. This is an active system of relationship. Context, environments, and our needs change. We might realize something's harder for us. We might realize what we're like as a couple and Back then I didn't know, but now that I'm more aware of what our sex life is like or how healthy we are, we need different expectations. Yeah, we have to be able to talk about that. Um, <clears throat> here's another one I love. This is a great question. And again, are you willing to ask this? Does this scare you? What does that mean? What is something that's worrying you that you haven't told me about? Just dropping deeper into how much sharing and intimacy do we really have? Um, do you tell me when things worry you? If not, why? I want us to be able to ask that. Why do you not feel safe coming to me? How can I be a better partner for you so that you're willing to share with me what worries you, especially when it's in relationship to me or our marriage? Because if people don't openly go to you, it's because you're not safe to go to. You know, it's like when a parent says, why does my parent, my kid lie to me? Well, because you're not safe for them to be honest with, because you punish, you attack, you freak out. Why does my partner not share? Because you're dysregulated when they do. You don't have good self-regulation. You're not safe. Try to become a safe space for them to turn to, and they will. <laughs> Encourage them when they go off out into the world, and then they'll come back and connect and share with you. So all of these things are what we want to learn about ourselves and our relationship, also our partner, but ourselves and our relationship first. So I love that. Um, again, the question was, what was the question? <laughs> Let me go back to it. There it is. What is something that's worrying you that you haven't told me about? And then I'd want you to ask yourself why, or maybe ask them lovingly, non-accusatorily. Why we? Why have you not felt that you were able to tell me that? What What about me made that hard or impossible? Oof, gotta ask your kids that too. Because remember, part of the deal we make in relationships of all kinds—friends, kids, family members—is you're safe. You're safe here. You need to feel safe in your primary relationship. Our partner and us need to know what makes each other feel safe, what makes each other feel loved, what makes each other feel desired. More importantly. What makes each other feel wounded so we can avoid that? And that's our next question. How can I help you feel more loved? And you sit there quietly and whatever their answer is, you say, thank you. You don't get defensive. You don't attack because their answer isn't wrong. And it might not be what you wanted to hear, but you say, thank you. I'll sit with that. I'll work on that. How can I make you feel more loved? I love that. Um, I'm just looking at this really quickly. Yeah, that's a good one. That's why I like these random articles. This quickly just popped up. A few people were posting. It was kind of like going viral in a very small uh, circle that I'm a part of. Because there's just this generalized question is, are we still monogamous? Meaning relationships are active systems. They grow, they shift, they change, but so does the world around us and what's happening and what our needs might be. Technology is different. Um, we have different jobs. My God, COVID's reoriented, all of that. Even I was just having this conversation with someone too where we were talking about the ways that people meet. And I think I, I discussed this on a show where back in the day, the, the number one place where people met partners was at work. It's also where cheating happened. Well, now people are working from home, which is a great healthy thing. I'm glad they are. But the number one way people are meeting now and not for cheating, I mean for, well, maybe for cheating as well, but I'm talking more about dating and how they connect is online uh, to like a 70 plus percent, I think it's like 75%. And then work is like this little small sliver getting smaller, which is fine. I'm glad people are working from home, better quality of life, better output. And then the tiniest bit is through friends. Um, I never really saw that happen. I don't know if they met in a blind day capacity or while out with friends, but I always found that one a little kind of clunky. Um, <clears throat> but anyway, 
as always, it's not just the answer to a question. It's also how difficult of a question was that for us to discuss as a couple? What does that mean? And am I willing to be open to the answer and learning? Because um, non-monogamy, just in general context, is is becoming a norm. Um, expect expect more discussions of that. Don't be threatened by that. I want our partners and us to be able to say, hey, what are your thoughts on that? And not feel like we're opening a can of worms, but maybe you are. Maybe that's the jumping off point for your partner to share with you the quality of your relationship or your sex life or their hopes, dreams, fears. And going back to that one question, what worries you that you haven't shared with me? Maybe it's them saying, I've wanted to talk about this, but my worry is your maturity or ability to, to regulate and have such a conversation. And then you as a partner have to go, wow, I just learned about myself. I don't ever want you to feel unsafe sharing anything with me. You're my primary partner. You should be sharing these things with me. I have work to do. We have work to do. Oof, you know, it's all in there. That's why it's all, that's why all these things are so diagnostic. I, I usually say, don't even answer that yet. Let's just sit with the impact of this question and this topic and what we can learn just from that. So again, as always, pay attention to the process as much as the content. Pay attention to how we are as a relational system more so than you pay attention to the um, output of what it is we're talking about. That's what I see in a lot of couples conflict. They think the issue is the issue and the issue is how we're going about discussing this issue. And there's always gonna be an issue. So we have to get better at discussing difficult things, not just hammering out a solution. And whatever damage is done on the way there, it doesn't matter because we're just trying to hammer out a solution. Um, all right, we're gonna come back and talk more and then we'll be doing some DMs. So if you got a question for us, drop it in the DMs on our Love Line Energy page, questions, topics, things you want to hit, circle back, drop deeper into, put all that in the DMs and uh, we are channelq.com is where you want to go for past episodes. We'll be back. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around. All right, y'all, we're back and we're just wrapping up our discussion of important questions you want to ask a partner in a relationship born out of this amazing article saying, are you still monogamous? Are we still monogamous? And then it dropped into a couple really valuable questions that help us assess how we are as a couple. You know, should we still be doing this? What changes might need to be had? Why are we not able to talk about these things? What can we learn about ourselves and our relationship as a result of that? There were, there were some, they were, I thought they were really important, profound questions. And some of them were really basic. And again, the point is not necessarily just the answer, but what is it like as a couple when we go about this? And for those joining us now, the questions were, how much time do we spend doing things that are fun together? Do we enjoy spending time together? Do we even know what it is that we could do? We're looking at what do we want to change about our sex life and how hard is it to have a conversation like that? How safe is it? <laughs> you learn a lot about each other. Uh, how are we and how have we helped each other through difficult times? Shows us where growth might be needed. Are we on the same page about monogamy or do we need to talk about making some changes? What's something that worries you that you haven't told me? And then drum roll, what is one of the most important questions is, how can I make you feel more loved? And you just say, yes, I hear you to whatever the answer is. You don't challenge it, you don't defend, you don't say, but I'm always doing stuff. It doesn't matter if that's not their experience, you care about their experience. It's not whether or not you're doing things that should make them feel loved, it's about whether or not they do. And if they don't, you gotta do something different or try harder, period. And that's why I love that question. But I wanna add another one. Do you know what wounds need protecting? And do you protect them? And if not, why? Why do you not want to protect them? Why do you want to hurt your partner? Why do you take advantage of those and weaponize those? And then what do I need to do to make them feel loved? And am I, do and am I doing that? And if not, why? I want my partner to feel loved, you should say. And I take, you should say I take that very seriously. So I want to know what needs protecting and I want to know what I can do more of to make them feel loved, period, end of story. And then we share. And if we don't want to have that conversation, why? These are really, these dig deep. They bring up attachment issues, childhood issues, social issues, our sense of worth, 
communication skills, boundaries, the health of our relationship. That's why I love all of this. These are really profound things that unearth a lot. Have these conversations only in safe relationships. If your relationship isn't safe, you have other work to do. Have these conversations at times where you can really gently, when you're feeling connected, have these conversations so you can very gently drop into these things. Maybe you have to pause and say, this is getting a little uncomfortable and heated, let's come back to this. Or let's come back at the end of the week after we've sat with this. Um, why do we, why do we not come back to it? Don't blow through these. Pay attention to the quality of the relationship while you're talking about them because that always matters more than just getting answers or solutions. But these questions are important and should be checked in on every year at least. That's something one of my professors said and always stuck with me and I always say to my patients is at least every year, every relationship should, every relationship should sit down and say, how's it been going? What changes do we need? Because um, that normalizes it also gives us what we need and it helps us take the temperature. And that scares people because you might get answers you don't want, but those things are still there. Ignoring them doesn't make them go away. It makes you have an intimate, I'm sorry, it makes you have a non-intimate relationship where you're drifting. And then that's when we are talking about uh, quiet divorces. That's the conversation, that's, that's when you can and don't have these conversations. You're quietly divorced. You might still be living together, you might still be legally married, but there's no intimacy, there's no time together, there's no joy, there's no pleasure, sex isn't happening, and then the question is, then what are we doing? Well, we're anxious. We're trying to stay safe. We're trying to not rock the boat, but that boat, need, that boat needs to be rocked. Remember, the quality of our mental health is tied to the quality of our relationships. So if our mental health isn't doing well, it's very possible that we need to look at the relationships we're a part of and how well those are going. They are directly correlated, which is why I'm always saying primary, primary partnership, best friendship, anything primary, take very seriously because you're impacting each other. And I see that coming into my office where one person's mood, the other person gets infected with it, which is part of having mirror neurons, limbic resonance, social contagion theory, attachment systems. We will feel what other people are feeling. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just being aware of that and working with that. More importantly, co-regulating and helping each other. You are on the same team. You should be helping each other through the difficulty of these topics and questions that we're talking about tonight, not turning on each other. Turn towards each other as a result of these things. Looking at each other, holding each other's hands, struggling with these questions, caring for each other, monitoring each other, right? The quality of how it's going is determined by the comfort of the person on the receiving end of the conversation and you look at them. That's why we don't have these conversations over text or email. We do them face to face so I can touch you, see you, feel you. We can regulate each other. That's the sign of love. And that's why we say if, you're comfort if your relationship isn't safe, don't have these conversations and have them at a time where we feel grounded because they can unearth a lot, but that needs to be brought up because then we can work on changes versus letting it go too long and then we have contempt and resentment and then there's nothing we can do. Sometimes relationships get too bad too fast and it gets too deep and the relationship just has to end. Not everything can be fixed. Um, and that's why have these questions in your mind. Anyway, I love articles like that because for me they have so much depth. Um, okay, when we come back, we're going to uh, do some DMs. DMs come from our Loveline IG page. Those are where you put your questions, always anonymous, always confidential, whatever you're wondering about, someone else might be as well. So put your questions in there. And then past episodes of the show is always over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline and click on it. You can binge, post, re-listen, share. So I love podcasting. It helps us with that repetition. We gotta, we gotta unlearn and then relearn. So we'll be coming back and doing those DMs. So stick around for that. You are listening to Loveline. Dr. Chris, Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back, y'all, so don't go anywhere. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. All right, y'all. We are back. And now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. DMs come from our Loveline IG page. Obviously in the DMs, <laughs> hence the name of the segment. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, love the show. Thank you. I have a question about dating apps. It seems to me like the quality of dating apps has gone down. Boom, 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 boom. Over the pandemic, they were alive, thriving, new, attractive people. Now it just seems like there isn't anything new. Have you noticed that as well? What could it be? Right. So it's not the quality of the apps. It's the quality of the people on the apps. Hard to say. It's very possible that those people have either partnered up and uh, some of the you know people you were interested in aren't there anymore, or they've taken a break because the apps have burnt them out and frustrated them. They might have, uh, here's what I really think it is. Your question was more about a comparison between now and during the pandemic. I think during the pandemic, more people were home. They were bored, they were lonely, they weren't working, so they had time. There's more people with more free time, and so they were on the app, spending a lot of time on them. Now people are back out in the world, and they're back to work, and I think they're busier. So they're either not as lonely, because they're busy, and they're not feeling the need to be on the app, or they're busy at work, so they don't have the time to be on the app. So that's my stance. It's about less loneliness, uh, more busyness and less time. Uh, but stay on there because it's the number one way that people meet and also gives you a reach far beyond who you would bump into at the local bar, gym, or coffee shop. And there's new people joining every day. So it's all we got. You know, some clients ask, is there, what, what are the other ways? There's gotta be other ways. And I'm like, I'm not withholding any information from you. That is the number one way that people are now meeting, followed by work and out in the world. And a lot of people just don't have the confidence or willingness to be assertive out in the world. So that's where it kind of leads us. Um, we got another one. We got time for this one. Hey, Dr. Chris, do you think astrology is a good indication of relationship compatibility? I saw, I saw you on that show. Uh, so I'm curious as to what you really think. Uh, for those that aren't aware, I was did a guest spot on a dating show that was rooted in matching couples based on their astrology. Uh, yeah, my presence on that show wasn't 
about my support for astrology as much as it was my willingness to take advantage of any platform that wants to have me to deliver my work. Uh, I don't know anything about astrology. I don't follow it. I don't track it. There's a lot of heavy critiques about it. I don't think it's inherently bad, but I don't think we should make any decisions just on one thread of meaning because astrology sounds different based on who's doing the reading. And it's also up for interpretation. Same thing as research. Uh, so there's a lot of factors and, you know, people grow and change. That's the whole basis of therapy. So I don't believe that who someone once was is who they'll always be. And my understanding is astrology talks about consistent behavioral traits because it doesn't constantly, as far as I believe, update, it, uh, update itself. And it couldn't based on the evolution of these specific people in question. And yet people grow and change. I see people through therapy become completely different individuals as they undo trauma, as they step into new skill sets, as they do the work. And so who they might've been compatible with last month wouldn't be who they're compatible with now. Their level of functioning is higher. And so they're dating differently. So who we once were is not who we once is not who we're going to be or who we are now. We're always becoming. And as far as I know, astrology is static and sees you as having this ongoing, enduring self that doesn't shift or change. And therapy proves that wrong. But again, I don't know much about astrology. That's not the entry point I use to help people determine compatibility. For me, compatibility is about how you deal with conflict as a couple. And you have to have an experience with that person because that will speak to your mental health and sustainability. It has to do with what sex is like between you. It also has to do with how you deal with boundaries. So it has to do with a lot of experiential things that can't be determined until you spend time with that person. I wouldn't want anyone to make a decision about someone based on just the traits that they put in their bio on an app. I wouldn't want someone to make any decision based on what the astrologer themselves reported. I always say, go find out for yourself. If you want to know if you're compatible, go spend time with them. See how that feels. It's that easy. And we want to get in the habit of doing that. So that's how I take that stance. When in doubt, go find out. We don't want to make it based on anything down on paper. We want to go have experiences of people. All right, y'all, that is our show. We'll be back tomorrow night. So join us then. Past episodes of the show are always over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down for Love Line and click on it. You can binge, post, listen, share. And if you've got some questions for us, put it in the DMs on our Love Line IG page in the DMs. Any questions you got, topics you want us to hit, something you want us to circle back, drop deeper into, always anonymous, always confidential. And uh, in the meantime, y'all, we're given everything in our lives 70% max so we don't burn out. We're not trying to get into burnout. We're trying to live in a different space. Be kind to yourselves and those around you. Thanks for uh, hanging out with me, y'all. Y'all have a good night, and I'll see y'all soon. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 
Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Hey. 